Lord, we've prayed and we've sung and here very recently we said, Lord, we stand with our arms high and our hearts abandoned. Lord, we want to focus on you and even though there are things that we hold on to, Lord, our, our deepest desire is to give all that we are to you. So, Lord, would you please now, in this time uh, where we continue to worship together, would you, Lord, please come fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus Christ, if there's any sin that we've been holding on to, would you help us to be here in a posture of repentance, and would you please forgive us? Lord, all we are is yours. And so please meet us here in this place today as we agree, Lord, that we are here for you. We will hold on to you. We will walk with you. Lord, we will be yours forever. In Jesus' name we pray and proclaim it. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite the children to come forward. It is time for Children's Church. So you kids who are between four years old, up through those of you who are now in um, first grade, right? So you're going into first grade tomorrow. How many of you are starting school tomorrow? Is anybody starting school tomorrow? In four days. All right. Well, today's the five day. Today's the five day. So pretty soon it'll be four days. And I'm going to be in kindergarten. Oh, well, you guys are going to have so much fun. But his birthday is the summer the three. No, the summer the third. And my birthday is the summer the eight. Gotcha. And I'm going to be in first grade. And you're going to be in first grade. Wow. Do you guys know what grade I'm in? I'm in 11 grade? Uh-huh. That sounds about right. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. How many of you, oh, I see a couple of you still have your, have your flower necklaces on, right? Why did, you, why did you get a flower necklace? Anna, do you know why? Or Anna, Emma, do you know why? Why are you wearing that? Where did you come, where'd that come from? Did you bring it from home? No. No, why did you get that? Why are the kids, some of the kids wearing those today? It's step up day today. How many of you were in Sunday school today? Raise your hand if you were in Sunday school. Yeah. So in Sunday school, some of you changed your classes, right? Because now this is kind of like the new school year. And so you're getting a little bit older. I know some of you have birthdays and those kind of things. Well, I thought that was kind of cool. So I got one too. And I asked Mason, I said, I'm Mason, turn six years old one day. you're going to turn six years old one day. I'm eight. Wow. I'm eight. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are still growing. You know, well, I'm five years old, and today's the five day of the school. Like me and Ada are going to school almost, but today's the five day, and I'm five years old. And I'm five too. And you're five too. Oh, so. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I missed that one. Y- you know what? I think this would be a really great time for me to pray with you guys. Because here's, here's what we're getting ready to do. You guys are going to go out and you see, you see Mr. Kyle in the back? He's going to wave his... I know, I know, I know. You know him, yeah. And, and so, so you guys are going to have Children's Church and he's going to help you all sort out how old you are and what you're doing. But before we go, can we pray together? That's right, Audrey. Do you remember how we pray? I like to All right. Well, let's pray. I put my hands together and I close my eyes.
And I say, Jesus, I am thankful for every one of these boys and girls up here. Lord, it is exciting to see how you are raising them up and to see their passion and their energy. Lord, I pray now as they go to Children's Church that you would help our teachers and guides to guide that passion and energy well. I pray that these boys and girls will learn even more about Jesus. Lord, we thank you and love you. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. You can go out and see Kyle now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. (laughs) What I was going to say to them, um, (laughs) you know, it's it's kind of fun, um, the the little things that come up. Do you you need to have little Hawaiian lei necklaces? Um, Do do you need to have those to teach kids about Jesus? Is that essential? No, it's not, right? do we need to have them come front and, and have a moment with the pastor for them to be able to learn about Jesus? Is that essential? Like, is that, did Jesus say you must make sure that the children come forward before the sermon? Right? He, he didn't do that. But, but here's, here's some of the thinking. And what we're going to really be thinking, what, what I'm going to be challenging you to be thinking about today is what is it that we want here? What is it that we want? What are we doing? And what are we trying to do? What is it that we want? We want everyone we know to become more like Jesus. And we want the young in faith to be able to grow in their understanding and practice. And sometimes that means that they are young in age. And so we want these little ones to grow in their understanding and practice. And you know what that means? It means that it's good to get their attention and have fun and give them little things that can help them to remember, okay, I'm moving up in Sunday school. I'm going to my next class. And then that Sunday school teacher takes the hand off and they teach a little bit more and our grades grow and grow and grow. And each class builds on the next. And what's really cool, which we got to see last week, is we have families then where, where a, a child who's growing says, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. And, and they grow and they take next steps. And we do all these things and we mark it along the way with things that can hopefully help to get in their minds so that we have a chance to help Jesus have a place in their heart. That's what we're working at. But I really want to open this sermon today by following up with a question I asked you last week. Last week, as we were looking at parts of Mark chapter 10, we saw that Jesus asked two different groups of people two different times, what do you want me to do for you? Do you remember this? Some of you were here last week, and I challenged you to ask or to answer that question. If Jesus were to ask you, Chad, what do you want me to do for you? Kendra, Jesus were to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? Robert, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that? Did you give any thought to that question this week? Jesus asked those folks, what do you want me to do for you? Now, he didn't always do what they wanted. John and, and um, James and John said, we want to be at your right hand in glory. He said, whoa, 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 that's not mine to give. That was not really a great request by them. But then Bartimaeus said, I want to see. And he said, I will give you this. Jesus sometimes asked, what do you want? And it's amazing to see how he sometimes comes through to answer our desires that God has planted in our hearts. What do you want? We talked about that individually last week. Today, I want to talk about that collectively. What do we want? What is it that we're doing here? Why bother I mean, frankly, there's a lot of things that you can be doing right now if you weren't here. Some of them might be more fun, some of them might not, but you have options. You are all people that have options. Why are you here? Why do you bother? What do we want? Well, we have a statement 10, 12, 15 years ago, we crafted it. I think it's still 
I think it's still true and accurate. We said that our mission here at this church, or our vision, depending on exactly how you think about mission and vision statements, but our mission is we want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. And you've heard that from time to time, right? Our, our elders, as they open up the services, they'll often talk about this is part of our mission, this is part of our vision. We want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. And so one of the ways that we might answer, if Jesus were to walk in our back door today, And if his purpose for walking through the back door was to ask the question, what do you want me to do for you? We would say, Jesus, we want everyone to become more like you. And not just everyone out there, but even everyone in here, me and you and all the rest, we want to become more like Jesus, right? That is the the model that is given to us in scripture. Jesus says, be like me. We are not going to be divine as Jesus is divine, but he teaches us so that we can live like he lives. He taught his disciples and they taught others so that we could think the way that he thinks. We want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. And then we have two little clarifying statements underneath that. We want to help the old in faith not the old people, right? This is not a how old are you thing. We want to equip the old in faith to go and serve. There are some of you who are not very old chronologically, but you are old in your faith, and we don't want you to just sit here for yourself and have a nice time every Sunday. Your job is to go and serve. Maybe that means you go across the hall and you serve. Maybe that means you go across the world and you serve. But we want to equip, as a church, we want to equip the old in faith to go and serve. That's what Jesus did, right? We want everybody to become more like Jesus. And we want to equip the young in faith. There are some of you in this room who are old, and you say it, and you show it by the way that you walk, and the way that you feel, and the sounds that you make when you stand up and sit down. There are some in this room who are older, but you are young in your faith. You came to Jesus at a later stage in life. You weren't maybe up in the front learning as a five and six and seven year old. You only kind of gave your life to Christ later on. Well, we want to help the young in faith grow in their understanding and practice. Why? So that someday they'll be old in faith and they can go and serve. Because we want everyone we know to become more like Jesus, right? This is what we're doing. This is what we're up for. If Jesus were to say, church, what do you want? I hope that one of your your answers would be somewhere along the lines of, we want to help everybody we know become more like Jesus. I was wearing this lay today because I want those kids to become more like Jesus. And one of the ways that we can do that is by showing them that adults are with them. And we get their attention, we build relationships with them, and then we can teach them even more, right? So many of our strategies all fall underneath this statement. We want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. We have adult Sunday school classes because we want everybody we know to become more like Jesus. Now, right now, some of you may not know this, especially if you are not here on a regular basis at our business meetings, or if you don't take Sunday school classes or have kids in classes, maybe you don't get to the other half of our building. But upstairs in the other half of the building, there's a space that we're renovating, and it's going to be three large um, Sunday school classrooms and a little bit, of, uh, little bit of storage space. And so that construction, we're right in the middle of it all right now. It's hoped to be done by about Christmas time. We'll see how it goes because you know how construction can be, right? It's hard to get things sometimes. But we're planning on that, and so we know that there's going to be some hassles with space and moving around, and so we've just kind of simplified things. There's one adult Sunday school class. It meets right here in these two sections in the front of the sanctuary, and that's every Sunday morning at 9.30. You're all invited. Why? Because we want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. Part of that is about learning. 
Pastor Steve is at Butter Valley Church today. That is up in um, uh, Bali is the town that it's at north and east of here. Why is he there? Because their pastor needed a week off. They needed somebody to preach. They're in our network of churches. And he said, hey, I'm glad to come and do that because one of the things that God has gifted him to do is to go and inspire people to become more like Jesus. So he's there. We help other churches because we want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus, not just the people who are already here and not just the people we like, but everyone we know. And if we have a friend, we have an opportunity. If we have an opportunity, we're going to take the opportunity to show people Jesus. In two weeks, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a tailgate party outside right on the other side of this wall. We're going to set up. uh, We'll have our worship service outside. We'll have lunch together, a chili cook-off afterwards. Why do we do that? Well, just because it's fun and we needed some variety to make sure you don't fall asleep in your chairs. No, no, no. That's not why we did this. We started doing this years ago because we knew that this kind of event from time to time gets your attention differently. And so while Steve and me and the elders are supposed to be inviting people to come to our church, we're supposed to be working at evangelism, that is your job too. And sometimes when there's a special kind of a service, a special kind of a one-off, wait, a tailgate party at church? That was, that was, more, uh, that was more cutting edge 15 and 20 years ago than it might be today. We've had a lot of copycats. But sometimes when there's just something a little different like that, it's an opportunity for you to invite that friend again who hasn't come with you yet, that friend who needs to become more like Jesus, just the way you do. It's an opportunity for you to invite them and say, just bring your lawn chair. It's outside. It's casual. You won't feel boxed in. And by the way, we're making some really great chili and having a lot of fun afterward. See, all of this stuff, it's not just random. We put this together because we want to help everybody we know become more like Jesus. So we create opportunities for that. We create excitement for that. And we try to always make sure that we're pointing people back to Jesus. So I'll just challenge you. Two weeks from now, we have a tailgate party. If you believe in the mission and the ministry of this church, bring someone along. Bring someone along. It might be a step along their journey to becoming more like Jesus. Now, what was Jesus like? Let's look at another aspect of his personality. Mark chapter 11 today, and we'll see how far we get through this chapter. If if we decide to stay for a long time and everything just goes great, we'll cover all of chapter 11, but I'll bet that won't happen just as I'm looking at my preparation here. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 1. You'll recall, if you've been hanging in with us and studying Mark here through 2023, I'm sorry, 2022, um, you will see that uh, Jesus has been progressing the first uh, nine, eight, nine chapters. He's been uh, kind of building in his popularity. He's been doing miracles and teaching now in the second half of Mark. And we've been seeing how Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem. Three times Jesus has told his disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be ha- it's going to be a big mess, but this is what has to happen. Three times he told them that. Three times it blew their mind. But now, this is in the last week of Jesus' life, and oftentimes we've heard some of these passages closer to Palm Sunday in the spring. But here's what's happening. Right near the end of his life, and this would be about 30 years A.D., okay? Right near the end of his life, it says that as they, Jesus and his disciples and a whole crowd of people, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. Now, here on display, Jesus shows us some of his divine qualities that you and I cannot replicate unless Jesus does some miracle through us. 
we see Jesus predicting the future, right? He says to his disciples, go get me a colt, but he's very specific. He says, this colt is right inside the city walls, just as you enter it. You'll find a colt there. He doesn't say a donkey. He doesn't say a something or a, he says a colt, very specifically. And he says, it's a colt that no one has ever ridden. Furthermore, he says it's tied up. It's not just hanging out. It's not, it's not being led along by someone who owns it. It's tied up. He says, untie it, bring it back here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it. And so here Jesus, it says in verse four, those two disciples, they went, they found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them and the people let them go. That's some pretty good prophecy, isn't it? Pretty quick stuff. Jesus says, this is what's going to happen in the next few moments, showing indeed one more instance that he is divine. And when we talk about becoming more like Jesus, we recognize that we are not going to become Jesus, right? As we grow, most of us are not going to become seers of the future. Jesus is still holy God and holy man. We are still holy men and women as we are sitting here. But we see this Jesus whom we're supposed to emulate And in this instance here in the book of Mark, we see that he was able to speak the future. When these people brought the colt to Jesus, this is verse 7, they threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! We've sung this this morning already, right? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. We often think again of this of Palm Sunday, the week before Christmas. It was interesting this week as I was reading, one commentator called this a false crowning of a real king. A false crowning of a real king. There was no ceremony. These people are not repenting. They're not turning to Jesus, they're praising him. But there is no indication really of any heart change here with these people saying, yes, we're going to follow our king. What are they saying? They were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, it's good. It's good that they recognize that he is coming in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. These people, they are looking forward to the restoration of Israel as a geographical and a political power. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So I'm not going to suggest to you that these people are in any way like faking it or bad, but this is not a real coronation. These people are still flighty. A lot of them are going to turn on Jesus in just a few days. These people are just simply excited. They're excited for themselves. They're excited perhaps for a coming kingdom. They're excited for someone to finally overthrow the Romans under whom they live says that Jesus entered Jerusalem, went to the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, this is where Jesus and his disciples were staying overnight. As they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Now that we can relate to, right? Jesus, the one who is the Son of God, the one who can see the future, talks about the cult and the people and the permission. Now Jesus shows his humanity, and Mark records it. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. How many of you are fig growers? Any of you ever grow a fig tree? John, do you have a fig tree now or a bush? 
You have two fig trees. When do you harvest figs off of those fig trees? September or October. So have you any figs yet? Covered with green balls, but nothing that makes you think of a Newton. No, okay. My experience with figs is they come in Newtons. They're delicious. You eat them by the sleeve. Yeah. Okay. But John has, and so if you want to get a look at a fig tree after the worship service today, follow John and Lorna across this parking lot, and John can show you his two fig, are they trees or bushes? More like bushes. Yeah, you've only been in that house for a little while. They haven't, so John's got a fig bush. It's got some fig-like things on it. They're little green balls. And, and recall right now, we are in the end of August, right? So, so they will ripen and they'll be ready for harvest in September or October. Now, the climate here is not exactly the same as it was in the area where Jesus was speaking these 2,000 years ago. But if you know about figs, I did not. I only know this because I've read a little bit and now I've got confirmation from John. If you know about figs, you will know that in the spring which is when this would have been happening. If you want to get into some details, you can look and see that this all happened in the month of Nisan. And so Sugaris, approximately when in, in our calendar, approximately when is the month of Nisan? I know you've studied this a bit. Passover, it's Easter, it's in the spring, right? So Jesus came to this fig tree in the spring. So it was not the season for figs because the season for figs is... September, October, it's now. It was not the season for figs, but yet he was hungry and he went to the tree. And, and in our minds, we might say, okay, well, Jesus, why would you look for figs if it's not the season for figs? Aren't you being harsh on the fig tree? Well, here's what, here is what I didn't know. Those little green balls that are hanging on John's fig tree that are not ripe yet. In the spring, those come out around the time of Easter, especially in that part of the world. From what I understand, figs will come out and, and they're not, they don't look like figs, but people could eat them. If you were hungry, even before the leaves came out, these little, these little buds that eventually would be figs would come out and be on the tree and people could eat them. Jesus went to the tree looking for something to eat. It was legitimate to think, especially now if there were leaves on there, that there'd be at least a little something that he could get. Hang with me. I know we're getting pretty botanical here, right? But here's Jesus. How did he first see this fig tree? He saw it in the distance. From a distance, it was covered with leaves, and he's thinking, okay, I'm hungry. I'm not going to get a nice, delicious fig like I might in September or October, but here in the spring, I'm hungry. I see the tree. I'll go. I'll at least get the little, the little nubbins that I, can, that I can have a little bit in my belly. Maybe he didn't have any breakfast yet. But he went to the tree, and even though the tree was a healthy tree, it had leaves on it. It wasn't dead. Even though it had signs of life, it had no fruit. And so Jesus said, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Big words when he say, may no one ever eat from you again. And if you have a thorn bush or a poison ivy plant on your property, go out to it this afternoon and curse it. You tell that thing, may no flower ever come off of you again. May you never grow anymore. And may I never step on you again. And in a couple weeks, go back and see how your cursing worked. I will suggest to you that you will probably not be as successful as Jesus was. But we'll come back to this, okay? Because the rest of the story comes in a few verses. Mark puts in this little parenthetical statement here. 
verse 15, on reaching Jerusalem, where Jesus was going to when he saw the fig tree that he thought should have some fruit but didn't. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? Jesus walks into the temple courts, the place that should be filled with worship. And yes, there are reasons why money needs to be changed. There are reasons why people need sacrificial animals. This is all part of the system, but they shouldn't be there. He says, you are gumming up a place of worship with commerce. People are walking through carrying merchandise. There are money changers, people buying and selling, and Jesus cleared it out. I don't know what kind of physical power and presence a person has to have to clear out the money changers and the animals, but he cleared it out and says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Again, he is in the temple, a place that should be bearing fruit, but it is not. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, these are the people who had a lot of influence among all these folks who were at the temple. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, and they began looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Here is Jesus, who just moments ago cursed a fig tree. Here is Jesus, who just moments ago cleared a temple all by himself, and now the leaders are wigging out because they're saying all the people are following this guy and look what he can do. The chief priests and other teachers of the law said, we need to get this man out of here. They're looking for a way to kill him. But as it said in verse 17, Jesus was teaching there in that temple. He didn't just go in and clear things out and then leave. He taught them, said, no, this is supposed to be a place of prayer. Jesus and his disciples stuck around for a little while. Verse 19, when evening came, they went out of the city. Next morning, verse 20, come back to this fig tree. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. That's power, isn't it? Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. That tree that looked so fruitful, that tree that looked so full, that tree that looked like it ought to have something good connected to it, but didn't, is now dead. It is time for a commercial break. And instead of getting up and going to the refrigerator or or stretching yourself out, I want to ask you a question Have you ever seen something like that fig tree? Something that looked fresh and alive and vibrant. But when you got closer to it, it was actually fruitless and dead. And if I can use a a more modern word, it was fake. Have you ever seen anything like that? It looked so alive and vibrant and lush, but when you got close, it was fake. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute and tell your neighbor what you've seen to be fake over the last little while. Go ahead, take just a minute, and then we'll come back out of our commercial break and continue on with the rest of our sermon. What have you seen that turned out upon closer inspection to be fake? (laughs) 
man, I wish you guys could all see what I see from up here. I know some of you are sitting here right now saying, what is this preacher doing? This, this guy's a nutball. But as I'm looking out there, I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of you. You might be sitting in the back, too. Heads are looking at each other. People are talking and laughing. I see one person. They're making gestures, and they're telling their story. You've seen fake things, haven't you? Things that look like they were strong, or they were vital, or they were powerful, or they were good. And then you got there, and upon closer inspection, and maybe it took you longer to recognize than what it took Jesus, but upon closer inspection, you said, there, there is nothing here. It's all a show. It's all fake, right? We can relate to this. Can you understand how Jesus might have felt not only when he went to that fig tree that was in full leaf, not only was he hungry, I'm told that I get grumpy and hangry when I'm hungry. This happens to me. I can understand it. Maybe you can too. Maybe you're starting to feel it right now. Breakfast was a while ago. Have you ever been so frustrated and in your hunger, you were frustrated and then you found out that it was fake after all. The restaurant was closed. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to utter words under your breath that the biblical writers might have said was a curse? You can understand this, right? You've lived through this kind of thing that Jesus went through. Now, Jesus is always in charge of his emotions, right? Jesus is better than most of us in that way. He didn't just spring out of his emotions, but you can imagine how he's feeling. He's hungry. He's hopeful. He's thinking, here's a meal. He gets to the fig tree. The fig tree is just a big old fake. And he says, fine, you don't have any life now. May you never have any life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus, as he instructs, his disciples says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They are fake. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 7, 16. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. By their fruit, you will recognize them. See this fig thing, this didn't just come up in Mark 11. Fig references are all through the Bible, and Jesus talks about it often. He says to his disciples, by your fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. Again, Matthew 17. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? Any Bible scholars, any of you remember Matthew 7, 19? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, that's not so different than what Jesus is acting out here in Mark 11, is it? This tree, it has no good fruit. Why take up the space and it withers? In Genesis 3, there's a reference to a fig tree. After Adam and Eve stepped away from the Lord by eating the fruit that they should not have eaten, it says that the eyes of both of them, this is Genesis 3, 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked as they had been since God created them. So what did they do? They sewed, what was it, church? They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Why? They wanted to cover themselves up because they knew they had nothing good going on inside of them. They didn't want to stand vulnerable in front of God and say, okay, hey, check us out. See the fruit of our lives. No, they were trying to hide. The fig tree leaves. Sometimes, sometimes they indicate that there's great life there. There's a vital plant that is producing fruit, but sometimes fig tree leaves are just our attempt to cover up things that are not so good. One more interesting little fig reference in Luke chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. 
Jesus entered Jericho. And in fact, in the timeline, even though Mark doesn't tell this story about Zacchaeus, this probably just happened like a week before this whole fig tree thing that we're talking about in Mark 11. In Luke 19, it says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, probably on his way to Jerusalem. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He was a Jewish man. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Jesus is looking into a lot of fig trees, isn't he? He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. This is a bigger tree than what John has in his yard. All the people saw this, began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What did Jesus say? Luke 19, verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Here is a fig tree with surprising fruit. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. Zacchaeus repented. Zacchaeus acted on his salvation by offering to pay back all that he had done wrong. See, Jesus can bring good fruit even out of fig trees that don't seem to have anything going on for them. Here at Waterway Church, we say that we want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. And I believe that is a true statement. I think we do want to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. We want to equip the old in faith to go and serve. We want to help the young in faith grow in understanding and practice. That is our mission. Here is what we don't want. We don't want to be fake. We don't want to put on a big show that says, hey, check this out, but then doesn't have anything going on underneath. We are trying. We are trying to do everything we know to do to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. That's what we're working at. And what do we see about Jesus here in Mark chapter 11? We see that Jesus has divine power, which we may not be able to grab onto. But we also see Jesus here. We see a Jesus who was hungry. We see a Jesus who was serious about worship when he went into the temple. We see a Jesus who had influence and power, as many of you do. We see a Jesus who was all about seeking after God with all of his heart, telling people to worship with all of their hearts, and he didn't put up with fake, false shows. So as we're trying to help everyone we know become more like Jesus, I recognize that we may not be doing that perfectly. I recognize that there may be some of us in this room who have been here for a while who are not going and serving, even though they ought to be old in faith. I recognize that there are some of us among us who are not willing to grow in their understanding or practice, even though they are young in their faith. There are some who may be here because to them it feels like the thing to do. It's just the show. There may be some who are not fruitful here, but we keep showing up because, well, it's that time of year. So I just want to end with a couple of thoughts for you. For those of you who have been here for a while, don't forget the mission. It's not about looking good or putting on a show. No use having leaves if there's no fruit. 
Don't forget the mission. With God's help, we want to be fruitful. And if you've been here for a while and you don't see that, please talk to me and let me know. And I can talk with you about how you can join us in our mission, or I can talk with others about how we can make sure that we work at our mission more intently. But for those of you who are newer here, and those of you in our new crowd, I know some of you are young in your faith, and some of you are very old and mature and experienced in your faith. For those of you who are newer here, I hope that now that you've heard our mission, I hope that you can see some evidence of it at work. I hope we're not just all leaves and no fruit. But if you're mature in your faith, you can see, once you get inside the doors, whether our mission is real or not. If you can't see evidence that our mission is bearing fruit, you need to ask yourself some big questions. If you sense that we are fake, those of you watching online, if you're, if you're checking in and saying, this just doesn't seem real, this doesn't seem legit, this seems like there's holes in the story, if you sense that we're fake, if you sense that we are here at Waterway Church, a, a tree with leaves and no fruit, please either commit yourselves to helping us be better or go somewhere that is genuine so that we don't get in your way. There's no use hanging around if there's no fruit, is there? I'll close with this. I stand before you now. I've been the pastor of this church for a while, and I love this church. And by this church, I don't mean this building or this organization. I mean you all. The church is the people, right? I love the way this church is. We have a lot of ways we need to grow. And we have things that we need to do better in our walk with Christ. But I love it here. I love seeing the passion that you guys have for being the church, for worshiping God, and for, for continuing to love the people of our world and our neighborhoods with all that you are and with all that you have. I helped to craft this mission statement, and I believe in it with all my heart. But I also recognize that we're not a perfect place. We're not perfect people. There are things that are difficult about helping a church to function well. There are things that are challenging, especially as the group grows. We have a tremendous amount of resources here, both, both human resources and financial resources. Really, really exciting stuff, ways that God has blessed us. But we don't always manage it perfectly. I would just like to challenge you, church. If there's something that you see that seems out of whack, talk to me about it. And, and even better, even better than just talking to me about it or Pastor Steve, Come to something like a business meeting on Wednesday night. I mean, I'm going to put in a plug for a business, quarterly at least, we get together and the intention is, is that everybody at the church works together to sort out how we're doing this mission that God has called us to. And so if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like something's off, I hope number one, that you'll express that with grace and with love. But number two, I hope that you won't just let the church continue going on without fruit. If there's a way that we can be more fruitful, talk about that. Come on Wednesday night, be here at 7 o'clock, and, and share with the group, hey, this is something that I see. This is something that we ought to think about, something we ought to work at. As I see Jesus here in this last week of his life, he, he is just so focused. He is so focused on what God has called him to do, and he's just yielded himself entirely to what God wants from him. And, and I know that as I survey our leaders, I think about our pastors, I think about our elders, I think about our leadership team, I see a group of people who have yielded themselves to God, who say, God, we want whatever you want. And church, I see all of us working at this in the context of a body of people who should be able to talk together.
and pray together and think together about how we work out this mission that God has given us to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for showing us your divinity and your humanity. And thank you for giving us an example to strive after in our own lives. Lord, I thank you that we can be part of this church together. Lord, I thank you for I thank you for the generations and generations of faithful people who have called Media Mennonite Church and now Waterway Church home for the work that has been done for your kingdom, for the hearts and the lives that have been changed, for all the people who are so much more like you now than they used to be. Lord, thank you for working in us and growing us and maturing us. Lord, as we continue to walk together as a church, help us to do a good job considering the fruit that we bear. Lord, help us, help us in the midst of all the fun stuff, not to just be a show. Lord, I pray that you would work through us as a whole church so that lives would be changed and that people would be able to look and say, indeed, good fruit is coming out of waterway. Lord, if there are things that we're doing, just big picture stuff that we're doing that's off, I pray that you'd correct us and put us back to where we need to be. If there's something that we're missing or that we've forgotten, Lord, remind us. And if there are things that we're doing that are just right on, Lord, would you encourage us and just just help us to know that we're on the right track. And God, as we talk about these things together and as as we practice using our voices and offering challenges or correction or ideas where needed, Lord, help us to do that all with grace. Not with an attitude of pride or or, or know-it-all. But Lord, help us to be able to talk about these things with grace and, and listen with grace and pray, understanding that you'll give us your grace. Thank you, Lord. We we love you. Help us all to become more like Jesus. Amen. Congregation, if you're able to stand, I'd like to invite you to stand for this last song. If you need to sit, that's fine too. But would you please sing, um, sing along with us as we uh, sing out this Draw Me Close to You.